preached under a lot of conditions. I've preached with stitches in my mouth. I've preached with pain in my back, pain in my knee, low blood sugar, high blood sugar, mostly high blood sugar. But this morning, I'm not sick. I feel great. But I feel like I have my fingers stuffed in my ears right now. I think this is the most challenging thing I have ever gotten behind a microphone and done. Amen. I I can only hear myself. I feel like I'm the only one in the room. Amen. So I have told the sound. If if they feel like I'm screaming, for your sake, they can turn me down. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 16. What a great presence of God we have in this place. Amen. Anytime we gather together and we are open and honest with God and we make ourselves vulnerable to Him. Amen. He will touch our lives. Amen. It's it's those times, though, when we come before the Lord and we come with our facade, if you will, or our mask on or what are some other things? A shield. We put our walls up and we try to uh, we try to fool God. Amen? We, got, we get pretty good, Brother Jonathan, at fooling one another. Uh, we, can, we can act the part. We can look the part. Amen? But God sees everything, and he knows when we have pain in our life. He knows when we have injury and hurt. Amen? And he desires to touch that and minister to us in those times, amen, where we need healing and strength and deliverance. Amen? He desires to touch us. So, If we come before him and we act like everything's all right to him, he wants us to cast our cares upon him. Amen? He desires that. In this life, amen, when we are filled with his spirit and we become Christian, I guess, if you will, amen, and we are saved, it does not make us exempt from life's trials and ups and downs. Amen? Amen? You're probably saying amen, I just can't hear you. <laughs> I can see you, so what I need this morning is nods and waves, and we're, we're here, maybe hold up a sign, amen, you know, because I'm not going to hear it, praise the Lord, <laughs> amen. Today I want to talk to you, your loyalty determines your liberty. Your loyalty determines your liberty. Matthew chapter 16 Now, these next couple of verses are going to seem weird that I would give you that title and read these verses, but uh, I will will end up, amen, in the right spot. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 17, and then I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 1 and also verse 17, if you want to go ahead there. Matthew 16, verse 17, and Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Emphasis, praise the Lord, on the keys of the kingdom. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 17, and when I saw him, this is John speaking, he said, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. 
a man and have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for your word, so thankful for this body of believers that has gathered together, Lord, to worship and praise your name. And we ask God that as your word goes forth, that it would penetrate the hardest of ground, O God, that it would lift and strengthen the lowest and the weakest, O God. In the name of Jesus, we need your anointing and your presence and your touch today. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If we, praise God, can stay faithful, we can stay free. Can I get an amen? Thank you. That was, that was a loud one. Good job. Amen. If we can stay faithful, we can stay free. And that's what I'm getting at when I say your loyalty determines your liberty. Amen. I don't feel like anybody in the Bible, and there are several, and I will name a few, but, and maybe I just feel like this because Joseph is, is probably my favorite subject and character in the Bible, amen. One of my favorites that I, I, I always find myself going back to. I don't feel like I necessarily relate to him. I just feel like his life, amen, is one that was full of challenges and required determination. And it required someone that would plant their feet solid on the ground, amen, and continue to march forward in uh, amen the cause of God can I get an amen his life and the things that he experienced amen I, I know that we go back to Job many times and we talk about Job's loss and the things that he lost and maybe when we're talking about pain and suffering we might talk about Joseph or talk about Job but whenever we're talking about somebody that just had to have rock solid determination and if you will a new testament phrase amen a denying of oneself praise the lord if we if we're going to talk about that i think we have to talk about joseph i want to take you amen to the end of his life and i want to read to you before i get into his life i want to read to you something that joseph said and it's going to tell you amen pretty much what you need to know about joseph genesis chapter 50 verses 25 and 26 and joseph took an oath from the children of, the, of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. We'll, I'm going to go through Joseph's life a little bit, but I want you to look at that last command that Joseph is giving. Joseph is in the land, a man, where he... Uh, where he ultimately became the savior even of Egypt, a man through his plan and through God's revelation, a man through the dreams that he had given to Pharaoh and, and the plan that Joseph put forth through the direction and the anointing of God, a man saved those people to the extent that that Pharaoh in that time told Joseph to bring his family and he gave them, a man, the land. And so Joseph in the end, and this is all before they were enslaved in Egypt, those of you, amen, that aren't familiar. This is, when, this is how they got to Egypt. This is how they got there before they were made slaves, amen, there in Egypt. And so Joseph is at the end of his life, and Joseph sees, and I, and, and I don't know if it was given to him in a dream or if he just saw things that were going on, but Joseph, in what he says, seems to know 
that something is coming, that there is going to be some kind of trial or bondage or circumstance, amen, where he tells them that God will surely visit you and and you shall carry my bones up from here. He is saying, I want you to understand that God is going to visit you and there's something that he's going to bring you out of. And when you go, I want you to make sure I'm in a a box and I want you to take me with you. Amen. Joseph understood that something was coming. And it's probably because of the life that Joseph and the experiences that he had prior to that, amen, uh, that taught him a lesson that life was not going to always be rainbows, puppy dogs, and lollipops. Amen? That there was going to be things that would come, amen, that was not going to be fair. There was going to be stuff that would come, amen, that could not be explained. There was going to be things that would come, amen, that would be head-scratching, frustrating, amen, heartbreaking, hallelujah. And he knew that something was going to come, amen, and that they needed to know, Don't put me six feet in the ground. Don't bury me. Don't put me in a permanent spot, amen, but plan, amen, on carrying me out of here. In other words, I'm giving you a promise that whatever comes, whatever happens, whatever circumstance you are in, God is eventually going to visit you and bring you out. Hallelujah. And I want you, amen, and I don't know if it was a token. I I don't know what the purpose was for, amen. But I know that when they were in that bondage, hallelujah, and I know that eventually when they were enslaved by the Egyptians, hallelujah, out of fear that they would take over, I know that there were times that they walked by and patted that box and understood that there was a promise that was given to them even if they had lost hope. There was that glimmer of promise that when this thing is all said and done, we have a promise that God is going to bring us up out of this situation. Hallelujah. Joseph could say that because Joseph's life was filled with ups and downs. Amen. And I looked up uh, one time, I looked up a timeline of Joseph's life. And it's funny, Brother Harrow, that if you look at it, it'll, it'll, it'll talk about when he was with his family, and it's up here. And then it talks about when he was thrown into the pit, and it draws, draws this timeline like this, hallelujah, Brother Harvey. And, and, and it's an up-and-down, roller-coaster-looking life that they explain, amen, of Joseph's life, full of ups and downs, full of promise and, and, and disappointment, full of, of, hallelujah, what seemed like God's hand. And then out of nowhere, it felt like man's hand would slap him back down hallelujah Joseph for those of you that aren't familiar was loved above all of his brothers hallelujah in fact his dad a man in his old age made him a coat of many colors and he declared ultimately this is my favorite son and the brothers hated him because of that and then it got worse because Joseph was a dreamer, amen, and Joseph was asleep one night, and God had given him a dream that they were taking up the harvest and the sheaves, amen, and he, he told his brothers, you know, I had this dream, and in my dream, uh, I, all the sheaves were piled up, and your sheaves bowed down to my sheaf, amen, and, and his brothers were angered, and, and they were envious, and they were jealous, and all of those kinds of emotions because they said you this dreamer thinks that we're going to bow down to him and then it gets a little worse because Joseph 
has another dream and he tells his entire family that the sun, the moon, and the stars, they were all bowing down before me, amen. And dad corrects him and tells him, what are me, you know, me and your mother and your brothers, we're all going to bow down to you. And there was that, 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 that jealousy and that envy and that anger, amen, that came from the family because Joseph was up here and he was getting dreams from God and he was just trying to do right and just trying to be a good son, amen, and a good servant of God. And you know the story, amen, as we go through it, that uh, his dad sent him out to check on his brothers out in the field and the brothers saw him coming and they decided we're going to teach the dreamer a lesson today. They were so angry at the things that he had said, so jealous about their dad's favor on their little brother, a man, that they decided that when he came, they were going to strip that coat off of him and throw him down in this pit, hallelujah, a, a, an act, a man, of anger, an act, a man, of rage, and almost a... Uh, 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 what do they call it, a, a crime of passion, if you will, where they just decided in the moment. They didn't have any other plan, Brother Harvey, beyond throwing him in the pit at that moment. They just decided we're going to pull that coat off of him, we're going to whip up on him, and we're going to throw him down in this pit. Hallelujah. This was Joseph, amen, the one that was favored. Joseph, that as long as he was in daddy's presence, amen, nobody could pick on him, and nobody could hurt him, and nobody could bully him, hallelujah. But now here he lay in the cold, a man abandoned well at the bottom of that pit, hallelujah, wondering what was going to happen next. Would they just hold him there for a while and drag him out, or was this going to be his demise? Would this be his end, amen? And the brothers, and I'm summarizing some of this because there's so much detail in the story, amen, but long story short, they see a group of folks traveling through the desert, and they decide there's no profit in just letting him die down there. We could drag him out, and we could sell him, amen, to them, and at least we'll get something out. Out of it, The Bible says that they did and they drew him out, hallelujah, and they sold him, amen, into slavery. Whenever he landed in his taskmaster's home, the home of Potiphar, hallelujah, there's something that we can cling to in this moment. What a tragic story, amen, the golden son, the favored child, hallelujah, now abandoned by his brothers and not just abandoned, hallelujah, but hurt and devastated and scarred, hallelujah, and sold out, amen, hallelujah. Nobody should stick closer than family, amen. They say families should stick together. And, and what a devastating moment that must have been for Joseph to be betrayed and sold by his brothers that way. But here's the encouragement. The Bible tells us, hallelujah, Genesis chapter 30, uh, hallelujah. Let me put my glasses on. Genesis chapter 39, amen, that when Joseph praised the Lord God in Potiphar's house, the Bible tells us, and the Lord was with Joseph. Isn't that encouraging? And the Lord was with Joseph. Here we are, hallelujah, if, you, if we can, amen, imagine that Joseph is up and then when his brothers betray him and sell him out, he is down. His circumstance changes because now he's in slavery, but in slavery the Bible tells us, and the Lord was with him, but not just with him, but everything that he touched flourished and was profitable so much so that now while he's in Potiphar's house, the Bible tells us that Potiphar puts him in such a position inside of his home that by Joseph's own confession, 
he tells Potiphar's wife in the middle of temptation, he says, your husband has given me his house in that everything in the house is like it is mine except for you. And uh, Potiphar's wife began to tempt Joseph and she wanted Joseph to lie with her, amen. And here we find Joseph in another circumstance that doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right, amen. But Joseph says something very important, amen, that I want to point out to you. And and it came to pass, this is Genesis 39, 7 through 9. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. And he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what, what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then, listen to this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In the middle, hallelujah, of what could possibly be one of the most unfair life circumstances, hallelujah. A man that has been sold out at 17 years old by his brothers and his family, that we could possibly say it was kind of unfair the position that his dad has put him in as well. But a man that has been sold out and thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, now finds himself at least trying to survive in a bad situation and then something else comes his way hallelujah but Joseph planted his feet and said regardless of the circumstance I am in and the situation I face hallelujah I cannot sin against God Joseph in the middle of this circumstance never forgot that God was his God hallelujah he never looked at his situation and said It's so bad that I must have been abandoned by my master. Hallelujah. He never said it's so unfair that God must no longer be on my side. Hallelujah. But instead, in the midst of unfairness and betrayal and disappointment, hallelujah, he stuck to his guns and he continued to serve his God. Hallelujah. It gets worse. He gets thrown in prison because of the lies that Potiphar's wife tells on him. But wouldn't you know it, now he's down again. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us again while he's in prison. And the Lord was with Joseph. Hallelujah. God had never left him or forsaken him. Hallelujah. Had never walked away from him. Had never abandoned him. Had never left him by himself. And Joseph, hallelujah, knew it and counted on it. Hallelujah. And desired, praise God, that everybody would know it. And wouldn't you know it that Joseph, again, at another low point, unfair, disappointed, discouraged, finds himself that everything he touches, even in the prison, hallelujah, God is flourishing and bringing, hallelujah, positive things out of it. And even though he's still in prison and he's still a prisoner, the the prison, hallelujah, the head of the prison, praise God, puts him in charge, amen, and puts him in a position where God once again can, hallelujah, bless him and use him. The Bible tells us that in that prison, the baker and the butler came and they had fallen out of favor with the Pharaoh, amen, because one of them had stolen his favorite cup, amen, the king's cup. The Bible tells us, if you'll allow me just to to summarize it again, amen, tells us that they had dreams, amen, one night. 
We know that Joseph is a dreamer and here he is, the head of the prison and he's over all of the prisoners, amen, and taking care of the business there and he finds out that they've had a dream, amen, that something has happened and they want an interpretation and so they call on Joseph. God still anointing and using Joseph, hallelujah. They say to him, amen, they say to him and they said to him, we each have had a dream. And there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, watch this. Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Here is Joseph again. In prison, hallelujah, and we know that the Bible says that in God was with him. Amen. But how many of us, I wonder, how many of you, I wonder if I could do it, amen, would go through time after time of being lifted up and then slammed back down and lifted up and slammed back down, hallelujah, could still stand in the middle of a wet, damp prison, hallelujah, feeling forsaken by all, amen, and still say, I'm going to interpret your dreams and God is going to give me the interpretation. Amen? And he does. And he interprets it. And he's correct. And it comes to pass. The same thing happens with Pharaoh. He has a dream. And I told you about it at the end of his life. Pharaoh had a dream, amen, about cows and famine and harvest and all of those kinds of things. And Joseph then goes to Pharaoh. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not me. It is not me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace. What am I trying to tell you? Joseph lived this unfair life. Do you understand that it was at 17 years old when his brothers first threw him in that pit? At the point that God brings him into power underneath Pharaoh, because those of you that don't know, he interprets Pharaoh's dream as well. And when he does, a man, Pharaoh puts him in charge, just like Potiphar did, puts him in charge where the, he is the, the only person that he is second to is Pharaoh himself. He is number two in the kingdom, a man, of Egypt. Hallelujah. He is put in such a place of being in charge, a man, that we now find Joseph back on the mountaintop and at one of those high points in his life, a man, if we can call it a roller coaster, praise God. And in that moment, hallelujah, Joseph maintains that regardless of what I am going through, God is in charge. He never wavered in that belief, hallelujah. He never felt like he was abandoned or discouraged, hallelujah. And later on we'll find where he was talking to his brothers and his brothers were apologizing for what they did. And he looked at them and said, what you meant for evil, what you thought was evil, God meant for good. What am I trying to tell you? Let me just cut to the chase. Amen. I'll have a couple more examples for you. Your loyalty depends, determines your liberty. Hallelujah. You're going to be as free, hallelujah, as you are committed and devoted to God in the middle of your circumstance. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you that if you get in the middle of something like this, where Joseph was in there for nearly, he was in his mid to late 30s by the time he came to power in Egypt. That's 17 to 20 years he spent enslaved and imprisoned 
imprisoned and betrayed and, and hallelujah, disappointed and discouraged. But all along that way and all of that hardship, amen, and those unfair things, hallelujah, he planted his feet secure in the, in the, in the promise that God was always with him. That he could not be a prisoner, hallelujah, unless he allowed himself to be a prisoner, hallelujah. That in his mind, he was as free as his faith, hallelujah, hallelujah, was strong in his life. Amen? I need you to understand today that things are going to be unfair in your life. That circumstances are going to come in your life. Hallelujah. You're going to be hurt and discouraged and disappointed. You're going to be sick and broke and, and lost and undone. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you this. If you could just hang on and know that one day the Lord is going to visit and bring us out. Hallelujah. If you could just hang on to your faith, you can hang on to your freedom. If you could just stay loyal, amen, to the cause of God. Just stay loyal to the kingdom of God. Just stay loyal and know that no matter where you are, God is there with you and he's never left you or forsaken you. Hallelujah. Your liberty is going to be determined by your loyalty. Daniel chapter 3, amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar built an image of himself and it was to trap the children of Israel, the Hebrews, amen, and they set up this statue, amen, of Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, when we play the music and we sing the songs, you got to bow down before these images. Well, the Hebrew boy, the Hebrew children refused to do it. And they wouldn't do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar called them in and he told them, I'm going to give you one more chance. Now, life is already unfair for the Hebrew children right here. They're already enslaved to the king Nebuchadnezzar. They're already in bondage. They've already been taken captive. Hallelujah. And it's already unfair. But then they're standing before this king that is now saying, I've built an image. When we sing the songs and we play the instruments, you're going to bow down to this image or I'm going to throw you in the furnace. In the face of death, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King Nebuchadnezzar, it's true you might throw us in the fire. But the same God that will deliver us from that fire will also deliver us from you. And if he chooses not to, we still serve that God and not your gods. Oh, hallelujah. I thought that that was going to be powerful. I thought that you were going to like that, hallelujah. Amen. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter, hallelujah, the, the degree of hell that is flaming up in your life, I'm here to tell you, praise God, if you'll stay loyal, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll continue in the faith, if you'll stay steadfast, hallelujah, I'm here to tell you God is not only able, but he's willing to deliver you, and you're only as bound as you allow your faith to waver. Amen? The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was so mad and the expression on his face changed. Amen. And he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were 
in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound, say bound, in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Bound. Tied up. And thrown in the furnace. A furnace that had fire so hot because the king was so mad. He said, grab them up. Heat it up seven times hotter and throw them in there. And it was so hot that when they opened the oven doors, hallelujah, that fire burned up the men that were going to throw them in there. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, there are things that if you go through them without God, hallelujah, they will scorch you and burn you up and consume you, amen. But if you have God on your side, hallelujah, the Bible tells us that when he threw them into that fiery furnace, the Bible says that when he looked in there with his men laying on the floor scorched and dead from the same flames that he had just thrown the Hebrew children in there, Hebrew children that planted their feet solid on the ground and on solid on their faith in God, hallelujah, the Bible Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and he asked the question, did we not throw three in there bound? That's what it says. And he said, but I look in there now. And I see that there are now four. And they are walking and dancing. And they are loose, hallelujah, in that fire. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how hot they make it. It doesn't matter how high the flames get. It doesn't matter how, hot, how bad it gets in your life or what your circumstances are. I'm here to tell you if, you, if you go in there bound, I'm here to tell you that they may think you're bound. They may think that you're dead. They may think that this is the end. But if you're in there with God, hallelujah, and you stay with your feet planted firmly, on your faith, hallelujah, you can walk through that fire free, hallelujah. You can still be loose when they think you ought to be bound. You can still be up when they think you ought to be down. You can still be in the fight when they think you're counted out, hallelujah. Here's why. You've got a coach in your corner that believes, that is cheering you on, that believes in you, hallelujah. God is always on your side. And you can be as free as you maintain your faith. That's one thing that they cannot take from us is our faith. That's one thing that problems and circumstances cannot rob us of is that we know that God is still God. No matter my circumstance, no matter my situation, God is still God. Their, their, their statement, amen, I think that this is something that we struggle with, is the sovereignty of God. Amen? We struggle many times with the sovereignty of God, especially in this country, amen, where we have uh, uh, lost sight of denying ourselves. And in this country, amen, we have made it all about us. And in our society, we are selfish and we are consumers and we are takers and we are needers, hallelujah, and we are drainers, if you will, amen. But their statement to that king was this, God can we believe that God will, but even if he don't, he's still God. We struggle with the sovereignty of God. Can I get a name? Give me that. Let me see you like this. We struggle with the sovereignty of God. 
in that we struggle with the fact that what we are going through, amen, if we're not pulled right out of it right away, hallelujah, well, where is God? God is always on the throne. He's always in charge. He's always the boss. Amen? Got time for one more? Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. This is actually probably what should have been my text because this is where the Lord spoke to me in this message and gave me this message. Pastor was preaching, talking about Paul and Silas, amen. And you know the story, Paul and Silas were thrown in prison and they were held there. I was encouraged though when I heard this scripture read and I flipped to it immediately and I began to look at it and it jumped out at me. The Bible says that these men were thrown in prison. Say, they're prisoners. Say it again. All right. I heard that. They were prisoners in a prison. Right? That's how that works. And the Bible says, Brother Mark, that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and began to sing praises. Watch this phrase. And the prisoners heard them. As if Paul and Silas aren't prisoners. Oh, hallelujah. They were in the same circumstances as everybody else they were behind the same bars as everybody else the lock just as tight as everybody else's cell just as cold just as hungry just as tired just as beaten as every other prisoner in that prison they weren't given special treatment they weren't given a special padded cell they weren't in a country club prison. They were in the same predicament as everybody else. But because of prayer and because of praise, they did not declare themselves prisoners. And the prisoners heard them. I'm here to tell you today, you're going to go through the same things that everybody else goes through. Most of you know that by now. But there are those times, Brother Harpo, where we're in the middle of something and we're really going through a sickness in our body or we're going through a mental affliction or we have a real big family problem that's going on or we have a, a disease in our body, disease in our life. Uh, we lose somebody, we're mourning, we're hurting. And there are moments, Sister Sorrels, where we, are, we feel imprisoned by that circumstance. Can I tell you this? You have the keys to your own cell. 
here today. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise can unlock any cell that is imprisoning you today. It can liberate you from any circumstance you are in. Will it end the circumstance? Maybe it will. Paul and Silas were eventually broken out of jail. But in that moment, it was in the moment that the cell was still locked that they were praying and praising. Praying and praising. They didn't wait until the cell flung open and the walls came down and the, and the guard was saved. Amen. The prisoners were all around them. They didn't wait until that moment to start dancing. They didn't wait until that moment to start calling on God. It was in the middle of their trial, in the middle of their trouble. I'm here to tell you there's no marital problem that can't be fixed by prayer and praise and the power of God. I'm here to tell you there's no employment problem that can't be fixed that while you're in the middle of it, you are praying and you are praising. It's going to require some work and fill out some applications and love one. I know that there's other things, but in the middle of it, I'm here to encourage you today. In the middle of it, God is there with you. God sees you. God hears you. God is for you. God is in you. Hallelujah. But what he needs you to do is plant your feet firm on faith. Hallelujah. And maintaining your faith, you can maintain your freedom. Hallelujah. So why the keys? Hallelujah. Why Matthew 16? Why Revelation 1? Peter was given the keys of the kingdom. And he was told, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. The, the keys were given to him for two reasons. Number one was to unlock the gospel to the Jew and to the Gentile. I, this is where I need, some, I need some real nods right now. He was given the keys to the kingdom so that he could unlock the gospel to both the Jew and the Gentile. He did it to the Jews, amen, on the day of Pentecost. Whenever they, the, the, the sound of a rushing mighty wind came, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They spoke in other tongues. They poured out on the street. And there were there, those that were there that said, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said this, because Peter was given the keys to unlock this. So whatever Peter said was, was what was going to unlock the prison, amen, and open salvation. Salvation, hallelujah, to everybody. And here's what Peter said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was unlocked to the Jews. You go about ten chapters later and you'll find him where God has called him to speak to the Italian band of Cornelius, which we know as Gentiles. Amen. And he unlocked the door to them as well. The Bible says that as Peter yet spake these words. What words? The same words he was speaking on the day of Pentecost. As he spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on each of them. He was given the keys to the cell of those that were imprisoned by sin. Amen? Those keys were also, amen, I won't get into this, but they were also so, and, and this was exclusive, exclusive, exclusively for Peter, that whatever he would bind here on earth would be bound in heaven. Whatever he would loose on earth would be loosed in heaven. Amen. He was going to declare, hallelujah, what we were going to do and what we weren't going to do. So what Peter preached, amen, was what we have to preach today. Again, amen. All right. So Paul, one of the most educated people, amen, in the Bible, praise the Lord, 
is the one that's on his way and on the road to Damascus, and that's where he receives his Pentecostal experience in being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and all of that. Amen. But then there are the keys that are mentioned in Revelation. Amen. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he said, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, and this is Jesus speaking, Jesus said, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. When Peter was given the keys, amen, to the kingdom, he was given the keys, amen, to unlock the present. Amen? We have those keys here today. Amen? That's why Paul and Silas could find themselves in a prison like all other prisoners. But in that prison situation, they understood that they had the keys to the right now. I've got the keys to my right now. My situation, that doesn't mean I get to get out. That doesn't mean that they could reach around and unlock the, the physical prison. But they were only as imprisoned and as bound as their faith allowed them to be. Amen? They had the keys to right now. But Jesus said to John, I have the keys of hell and of death. Say, that's tomorrow. Your enemy... Your, search, your situation and your circumstances does not hold the keys. You have the keys to today, and God has the keys to your tomorrow. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? As long as I have the keys of the gospel of Jesus Christ and he has the keys of hell and of death, amen, there is no sin, there is no disease, there is no sickness, there is no human, there is no devil, no demon, no spirit, amen, that can imprison me and defeat me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm here to tell somebody today your loyalty and your steadfastness and your faith for God, amen, to God, amen, will maintain your freedom and your liberty. I want to encourage you that no matter what you're going through, first of all, if you are lost here today and you have sin in your life and you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you that that, that prison that you are sitting in where sin has you bound and spiritually you are locked up and entombed, amen, if you will, I'm here to tell you the keys of the gospel of Jesus Christ can set you free today. I'm going to encourage you to repent of your sins. I'm going to encourage you today to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? You'll rise up out of that water a new creature in Christ. You're no longer a prisoner. You're no longer dead. You're no longer lost. Hallelujah. But you're found by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then I'll tell you this. God will fill you with his gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that is bringing you up even out of your spiritual grave. Hallelujah. It's the power of the resurrection. It's the power that will truly set you free. Don't leave here today bound. You don't have to. Don't leave here today in a prison of sin. You don't have to. Don't leave here today dead and lost and undone to your sinful ways and your transgressions. We've all been there. We've all had this moment. We've all had that moment where we've had to say, God, deliver me, set me free. Your faith today in God 
can set you free. Now I'm here to tell you that he has the keys of hell and of death. If you've come here today with sickness in your body, disease in your body, you know, one of the most encouraging things is was, I won't name their name because I haven't talked to them about this, but there was somebody that was, was and is going through some great physical difficulties, amen. And I remember when I walked in that person's hospital room and they laid there on that bed and it seemed like there was no hope. It seemed like the, the things that they were telling them was going to be the, the end. Uh, it was just a matter of time, hallelujah. And we were coming in to just do our part and say a prayer and, and move on. And when I walked in there, that person was quoting scriptures, was talking about the power of God, was talking about things that God had done in their life, in their past, hallelujah, was giving testimonies, was witnessing to nurses and doctors and all of that, hallelujah. Can I tell you that you can be laying in a hospital bed and still be free? Can I tell you that you can be broke and still be free, that you can feel like you're all alone and lonely, hallelujah, but you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, hallelujah, that no matter your circumstance and your situation, you don't have to stay in a prison. You're as free as your faith. You're as free as your faith. Let's stand together. Your loyalty today and tomorrow will determine your liberty. If you have come here today and you have a situation in your life, in your family, in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, you don't have to leave in bondage. Well, Brother Perryman, I've let some things slip and my prayer life in what it used to be and I don't study like I used to, and I don't come to church as often as I ought to. That's your, that's your prison guard talking. That's your taskmaster talking. That's your circumstances speaking to you. That's your enemy whispering in your ear because God is right there with you, just like he was with Joseph, just like he was with the Hebrew children, just like he was with every other matriarch and patriarch in the Word of God. Hebrews 11 is full of them where they went through trial and tribulation and pain and sorrow. And God was there all along. And as long as they acknowledged that, they knew. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm here to tell you today, if you feel like you're going through hell in your life, keep going through. Don't stop. Don't set up camp. Don't pitch a tent. Keep marching hand in hand with God. And like Joseph told them, one day, God is going to bring you up out of here. You can put me in a coffin, but don't you bury me in this world. Don't you bury me in Egypt. Bring me with you. I wonder if there's anybody today, they're going to sing, we're going to, we're going to pray, we're going to worship. I wonder if there's anybody today that came and said, you know what? I've been going through it. You don't have to tell us what you're going through. You don't have to tell us how sick you are or how hurt you are or how broke you are or how lonely you are or how lost you are or what you've done or not done. But you want to take just this moment right here and you want to begin to make your way to the front. Amen. And as we sing and praise to the Lord, I want you to come with Paul and Silas in mind. I'm going to pray and I'm going to praise and I'm going to know God is there with me and hearing me. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be a prisoner in that prison. They'll begin to sing. Would you make your way? Would you begin to come? Is there anybody that would like prayer?
anybody that needs healing in their body, anybody that needs deliverance in their life, needs an answer from God. You've been praying for your children. You've been wondering where that answer is going to come from. You felt bound and helpless by your circumstance and your situation. Is there anybody that you've thrown your hands up and you've wondered, I, I can't do it. I can't get it done. I need God's help. Is there anybody that would come?